All right, Inappropriate Earl, we're back. We're just cranking them out. Thank you to the last guest, the Healthy Junkies, currently on their West Coast tour. Uh, we're having there audio is. issues right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. I think someone stepped on a duck. Um, this and, is after a good two minutes of you apologizing for farting before I got here. And I was now I'm just like, your apology wasn't sincere, was it? Not really. <laughs> now we have uh, a repeat. I, I don't like to repeat guests too close to uh, each other just because, uh, you know, you don't want to talk about the same shit. But really, the last podcast we did could have gone another hour. Yeah. There's been a lot of things that have happened uh, in the interim, but he's got a tight time schedule today so we got to get right to the the point of having the one the only mr jamie kilstein back in the house hey aren't you glad you're big enough now where your douchebag friends even though like i just did the show will call you and be like i have a gig to promote in sydney can i come back on and you have to be like i fuck yeah i guess i love it because the whole reason i started this podcast was based on rogan's i mean i don't know what rogan's reason for doing it is or was but like like we talked about before, he has made stars or whatever you want to call it out of Hinchcliffe, Duncan, Ari, yeah. uh, I mean, Segura, yeah, Bert, I mean, Jordan uh, Peterson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy, Jocko, who I'd never heard of. Yeah. Jocko. I dude, I got Jocko for my podcast. I think in November, I'm going to drive down to San Diego and roll with him and have him have him on. I'd be scared to talk to him. I, we, I feel like we have jujitsu in common. So that makes us like kind of homies. I don't know. But, I mean, uh, I want to do the same on a much smaller scale, you know, just expose people I like to my fans. And obviously, I don't have Rogan's fan base, but... Dude, your show's fucking taking all those, like... I got to tell you, every time I see you post, like, the pictures of, like, the charts, like, when you're, like, charting in the top 10 or top 5, I get legitimately excited. Like, even though I have a podcast, like, I don't have that, like that feeling I used to get when I was like an insecure shitty comic where anytime someone did better than me, I was just like, fuck Earl. Uh, yeah, I'm stoked. I mean, I do it. Uh, I hate doing stuff like that. No, you have to, but you, you do have to. And it's also to shut the haters up because for nine months I've been relatively high up in the charts by now iTunes would be on to me if I was hacking or people really thought that, right? We kind of talked about that last time. Well, they still do. I mean, because there was a big thing on iTunes about, and it just so happened. It was just the worst timing that for whatever reason I was number one for, (laughs) Oh no. And then the article came out for uh, like a day and a half. I was ahead of Rogan. uh, And I still don't know why, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, It was probably the week Rogan had me on, to be honest. Um, no, I, you know, I think I'm, you know, I put out a lot, Yeah. you know, three or four a week now. And I think there's something in, I don't know if it's an algorithm or whatever that the more content you do, uh, but your numbers still have to be remarkably high, even if you're putting out like four episodes a week or whatever. But I think uh, that weekend there just so happened to be a scam on iTunes where all of a sudden in the top podcast overall, there was like seven real estate podcasts yeah. that had literally put out one episode. Right. 
and uh, they had hacked into the system. Yeah, but those fucking, those are those like real estate guys who have those like YouTube ads that come on before a Tony Robbins video where they're like standing in front of their like fake cars. Right, with and, the, the stubble. Yeah, it's like, of course they fucking hacked it. Um, it's like Tom Vu, but not as funny. Yeah, and they're always like, uh, do you want to learn how to like make millions? Sign up for my program. And I'm like, you made millions because you're lying to people and taking their money. That's- well, I did that. Full disclosure, there was a guy and you know, you got to be probably in your late 30s or 40s whose commercials were on tv constantly don lapree <sighs> the name sounds familiar but i don't remember the commercial white guy uh you know same scheme you know uh he found ways to put up ads in newspapers all across the country okay. that was his thing yeah as you put one ad in and then you put another ad in and and it's only five dollars and then you charge ten dollars and then you do that a hundred thousand times and yeah. you'll be you'll be a millionaire and i was so duped in by this guy i bought the system twice <laughs> oh my god i mean i've definitely like i've fallen down like self-help rabbit holes for sure i was gonna say when you said uh the the week you became number one uh the week you became number one other that was the week that they were reporting this big hacking that i literally just had an elementary school flashback about like uh i don't think i've ever told this story but i was the like the slowest kid like i failed gym class when all you had to do was like bring your shorts like that was it uh and i i wouldn't uh bring my shorts i would just be like high in the corner uh and the one year I was always last, like when we ran the mile, I was always last picked all that shit. And one year I came in like, not even first, I came in like third and the coach was proud of me, but all the other kids were like, what the fuck? Like, how did he come in third? And instead of being proud of me, I was so known for being shitty, uh, at anything athletic that they, had like an investigation and they took like witness testimony and they like brought me in and like the gym teacher and the assistant gym teacher uh, questioned me. And it turned out I I skipped a lap, which is the only reason that I, but just the thought that like, even if I realized I skipped a lap, which I did about like a couple minutes into this, uh, even if I realized that, that they couldn't have just like let the little sad fat kid have his fucking moment where they had to be like, fuck that. Let's open an investigation. That's like pretty much what happened to you when you hit number one is what I'm saying. Well, I think it's because I'm a relatively unknown comic to a degree. Yeah. Uh, it's like, how is this guy had a Bill Burr and, and Mark Marin and Joey Diaz and uh, spite. That's how fucking well, rage and spite it's a, well yeah i'm definitely more better than those guys uh, you know you're not the marin well but uh i i would say like he's almost my spirit animal <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. because i read his book i think right before i started this podcast and i was like okay i'm around the same age as this guy yeah you know he wasn't you know he had kind of plateaued i guess in the comedy world like he was very he was, he's marin now to me by the way because i was featuring for him before the the podcast uh for like uh we did like a couple weeks together and and we would ride around new york together he would like take me to his gigs and uh to me whenever he was upset or like you know felt like he like didn't sell well or whatever 
I'm still like, you always have to remember that about like when you're feeling like shit about your career, like what old you would have thought or what the fucking open micer would think or the MC would think where it's like, I still thought he was the most successful man on the planet. Like just because he was headlining and Dick Conan and I saw him on HBO when he was like, you know what I mean? Like there are so many guys at the store who probably look at you that way too. Even when you like come home and are all bitter and pissed off. Well, I mean, I think my bitterness is, uh, I don't think you're actually bitter. You're too nice. I think you get, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I hold grudges is my thing. Yeah. <laughs> and at the age of 50, I'm probably not going to change. Yeah. But I, you know, and I read all these self-help books and, you know, uh, let go of your hatred towards people. It, it harms you more than them. Oh, which totally. I totally agree with, but when I've been wronged, I lock in. I, uh, I, and everyone loves him too. I've never talked about it on a podcast, but I hated uh, Kumail. And uh, I remember when, like, we were friends in New York and we had the same manager. And there was one year, it just seemed like he never liked me. Like, I really liked him. And there was one year somehow where I was just getting stuff before he was when we were with the same manager. I think Mulaney got both of us, uh, this manager. So, like, I got into new faces and he didn't get it. And in my head, I'm like, you are going to be so much more fucking famous than me. Like, he's so good. Um, and, but he just seemed really pissed off. And I remember... Uh, am I going to tell this? Yeah. Uh, fuck it. I remember, uh, <coughs> uh, I taped that show, the green room that Paul Provenza hosted and sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer was in the audience, um, which was the most to me as like a fighter that was infinitely cooler than like, you know, everyone was trying to talk to like Kathy Griffin backstage and all these comics. And I'm like, I didn't give a fuck like Sugar Ray Leonard. And I had no idea how he was going to react to my like set. Like I was filthy. And so I went up to him after the show and he liked it. And I think he was starting to do some like comedy talk show with Kathleen Madigan or something. And he was asking me comedy questions and I was asking him about boxing. And he started to ask me about like MMA guys. He was, I was like, right when I think Kane Velasquez is really big. So he was asking about Kane and, uh, and I asked him one of my favorite moments. I was like, okay, so if you had any advice for a fighter, like what's your cliche, what's your go-to like big advice, you know, that you give. And he looked at me like so seriously. And he was like, I'll stare at him from across the room. And I look into their eyes. And in that moment, I'll find how I can break them. I'll see their weakness and I'll know that I can, you know, go through them. And then he paused and he goes, and you got to have really fast hands. And I was like, all right, fair enough. Uh, so anyway, so we're talking and getting animated and you know, on those like TV shows, sometimes there's like some bullshit. They're like with the company doing like pre-interviews or whatever. Fucking Kumail from out of nowhere just goes, Hey, will you two shut the fuck up? To Sugar Ray Leonard. And I was just like, I like gasped because uh, this dude is like such a fucking legend to me. And just in that moment, I was like, fuck him. And then I think we got into like some like Twitter thing where like I thought he made, it was so dumb, dude. It was so high school where like I thought he made some parody account of mine. And like, so I was like, fuck you, you're a piece of shit. Because all I used to do was fight on Twitter because I was in like a, a terrible marriage and it, it's how I got my like kicks. And, um, so anyway, so I just, anytime people would be like, do you like the guy Kumail? I would just seethe or suddenly he became really famous and comics I liked, you know, idolized him or, you know, 
everybody followed him on Twitter. And then his movie comes out and I had this moment and this is where I realized how sad those grudges are. And, and what you said was true. I had this moment where I was like this movie, which by the way, was like totally critically acclaimed. I don't know if it got any bad reviews. It like definitely had over a 90 on Rotten Tomatoes and it came out and I was just like, fuck Kumail. I'm not going to see his movie. And then I had this moment of like, what the fuck is that going to do? Like his movie is not going to tank because like bitter uh, comedian Jamie Kilstein didn't see it. Uh, So that was a moment. And it sounds so dumb, but I got very self-helpy. I was like, I'm going to go see it. And I went and saw it and it was fucking great. And I was like, all right, good on that, dude. And it legitimately feels like a weight gets lifted off your shoulder where like it's like those uh those fucking weird horror movies where like once they accomplish what they're supposed to on earth they like disappear and they can finally go to heaven like that's how i felt when i saw kumail's movie i was just like what a fucking waste of time that was even if that guy still hates me even if he whatever it's just like i'm I'm not going to get successful if I spend that time seething about other people who are successful. I'm sure, dude, like you've got to be around more toxic people like that who all they do is trash guys. And I don't think you're like that at all, but you feel them suck the energy out of you. Well, I get that a lot with the roast battle crowd right. because that whole show is big. <laughs> and I always say roast battle has done everything for me. Right. Um, and I actually did their uh, podcast last week. Oh, you did? I did. There you, you know. go. We're both making amends. I mean, I basically did an hour and a half wrestling promo. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's a fine line for me anyway of, of uh, do, you, do you burn a bridge or do you stand up for yourself? Like at some yeah. point, like there's a, the only way I can describe it, and this is a horrible way to describe it, is there's a Tom Selleck prison movie that's pretty bad this is already by the way the best way to describe it It, it's the only way that i can just genuinely express how i deal with grudges and 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 like when when i feel i've been wronged and uh, it's called an innocent man and of course he's uh framed for a crime he didn't commit yep he gets sent to prison (laughs) bad guys in this movie are the best just Just like over the top just typical like the the prison guard is like you know the big jaw you know good looking older prison guard type and uh his first day in the yard, the black gang, of course, it's kind of a racist movie. Yeah. Uh, steals his toothpaste and his, <laughs> his bar of soap, the little uh, bag they give Bad enough, the guy's fucking framed for murder. Now some fucking guy is going to steal his toothpaste. <laughs> it's a typical black bad guy. Oh, know, yeah. Bald guy. Oh, you remember all those old Steven Seagal movies where it was only Jamaican bad guys? It's just like that. <laughs> That's awesome. There was a fucking phase where all these like dreadlocked Rastafarians were also like these like terrible like machine gun wielding maniacs. I think that was out for justice. Out for justice. Yep. A hundred percent. It was out for justice. So then the second day in prison, the Aryan Brotherhood Great. Uh, goes up to him in the uh, mess hall and it's like, and the bad guy's name is Jingles. And the guy, the main guy is like, you got to do Jingles, man. And uh, Tom Selleck is like, uh, I'm not going to kill a guy for stealing my toothpaste. And the guy looks at him and gave him the best advice. And it's how I feel about certain things with roast battle and, and certain people. Yep. The guy's like, 
you don't have to stand tall in here, but you've got to stand. And that's how I feel. Like So your daily life advice was taken from a member of the Aryan Nation in a Tom Selleck prison movie? Yeah. Great. That's perfect. But it is a, a line of if you don't stand, you're just going to get walked on in this business. I do that sometimes. Like, um, And you know what's interesting is a lot of times when you – when you stand up for yourself, not petty and holding a grudge or doing some dumb shit on Twitter like I did, but when you stand up for yourself, people are so like disarmed and taken back from that because we're such chicken shits that it'll usually solve the problem. You know what I mean? Like if you go up to someone, you're like, hey, uh, I'm not trying to start shit, but just so you know, like when you knocked me off of this show or whatever, like that was kind of fucked up and I thought we were like homies or whatever usually they'll be like, oh, fuck, man. I didn't even think about that. I'm really sorry, blah, blah, blah. And it can be stomped out in like two seconds. Whereas if you just spend months seething and building it up in your head and being passive aggressive, that's when not only are you torturing yourself, but then nothing gets accomplished. Well, I spend years. Oh, uh, buddy. I mean, I try to make it right. Like with really the only situation that I, I feel like this aggressively about um, something was done to me that uh, was not cool. Yeah. Um, right. And I don't do drugs. I don't drink. So my mind is very clear thinking. Yeah. Uh, and I gave this person the opportunity to explain themselves, and they just dug an even deeper hole. Ugh. They were lying to me. And really, the the without, I don't want to give this guy any publicity at all, but all they had to do was fess up to someone else like hey you know what i did wasn't true yeah what i uh, said wasn't true yeah bingo done deal right i still would have been mad but at least all right you made it right yeah um i'll say it you guys it was kumail ah, i still got a grudge fuck that guy well no i'm definitely agreeing with you it, it you you know grudges holding grudges just the bitterness and anger just uh but i'm like yeah no I, I i don't disagree with you if someone is like legitimately like trying to hurt you or trying to you know fuck you over then it's like you kind of got to do uh you kind of got to do what you got to do i mean in my defense i could bury this person with one tweet yeah about something else in their lives oh. i mean literally one tweet would ruin their career it's nice kind of knowing you got that right but i'll never do it just because it's like it's not going to make me feel any better yeah hey did i ask you this were you sober because uh you uh you you, you did too much and you had to stop or did you just never because i actually stopped i was doing the sober october thing uh with like bert uh rogan yeah and, and uh i'm not gonna go back to drinking i feel fucking incredible uh, I don't think I had a problem necessarily, but that clear thinking you just described, like, dude, I've gotten months not even over yet, and this is the most I've ever accomplished. I'm, like, doing shit I never thought I would do. Like, I'm working on, I mean, I'm touring Sydney. I leave tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's not me even trying to hide the plug. Uh, and uh, I'm, like, close to getting, like, a fucking book. Uh, I started pro wrestling because I was just like, hey, this is the only thing I wanted to fucking do since I was a kid. So I'm just going to do it because I feel, like, great. And then I'm still doing jiu-jitsu and all that shit. And um, I feel so good, dude. Like, like I said, like, I wasn't getting... um. I wasn't getting like blackout drunk or drinking every night, which is why I was like, I didn't see a problem with it. But when I stopped, I realized like, 
it wasn't just the drinking or like the little hangovers. I was doing shit that I wouldn't want to do. So like, for example, like I would go on Tinder dates that I wasn't really psyched about. And when you go on Tinder dates, you go, all right, well, let's meet up for a drink. And then you just buy some girl drinks and then you like get kind of tipsy and then you fuck a girl. You probably don't want to fuck. And then, uh, you know, you don't really do anything the next day. And when I got sober, like I just started saying, no, I was like, I'd rather go home and read and then I'll wake up and I'll fucking wrestle or I'll do whatever. And, uh, so even though I wasn't drinking that much, I realized that like drinking will like make you go to like social situations or da- that you don't even want to go to because you're like, I'll, I guess I'll just get tipsy and like be around these people. I don't want to be around or go to this fucking industry bullshit. And, uh, yeah, I feel incredible. I don't think I'm going to go back at all. Uh, I mean, I love being clear headed, like, uh, it, it just, you know, like I had a meeting with a, a comedy central exec a couple weeks ago. Cause he was kind of like, we should talk. Yeah. Because I guess I was being a little aggressive on Twitter and Facebook. To Comedy Central? Yeah. That's how you got your fucking meeting? Pretty much. That's incredible. I mean, I don't take back one thing I said. Yeah. uh, Because I don't really talk shit. Like, I talk facts. Yeah. You know, so I'll (laughs) never say, this person is a fat slob. I will say, I don't like this person because Because. of. Yeah. uh, Some people, you know. You know, he was like, we saw each other at a show, and he's like, why are you so bitter, bro? I'm like, dude. And I laid out very uh, in a black and white. <laughs> this is how I feel about Roast Battle. This is, you know, I helped build it. You guys did literally seven or eight things to me that bothered me. And, you know, I don't think he necessarily agreed with me, but I could tell in his eyes, he's like, all right. We might have done you dirty. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so it, interesting. It, yeah, I mean, you know, and I don't, uh, you, you know, I don't believe in talking shit. Yeah. You know, like Conor McGregor style. Like, you know, he just says anything to get the room going. Just riled up. Yeah, for sure. Which I do love. It makes me want to buy every fight. Uh, but I, I believe in, like, if I ever had a problem with you, I would, you know, either go online or say to your face, right. knowing that you could kill me. Right. <laughs> but you could. You could beat the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. Uh, easily. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I don't even debate that. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> but, I mean, I try not, you know, uh, I would be like, dude, you did this to me. You 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 made fun of my podcast on Rogan's and, yeah. it, or whatever. Well, that was so specific. You have thought about someone doing that before, haven't you? Oh, uh, not really. That was like shockingly like that made my heart hurt where I was just like, oh, if someone did that to you, I'd be so mad. But I mean, I know uh, like I know Joe had uh, approached me at the comedy store uh, in the kitchen one night. And, you know, I was asking him about roast battle. Hey, dude, you know, am I wrong in feeling this way? And, yeah. Uh, and he's like, dude, it's time you come on the pod and talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I think we would have had a discussion like someone from Comedy Central probably would have called me after. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And go, oh, why did you say that about us on Joe's? Uh, you know, uh, but, you know, there's, I think, you know, every thing we do in this world of stand-up has a uh, a cause and effect so right if i go on joe's podcast or ari's you know storytelling show and tell a story about you fucking me over yeah sure it's gonna affect you right so uh you know i try and uh, be clear-headed and so I, wait so uh, did but did you did, did you ever drink 
No, I've never had a drink in my life. Do people just assume naturally? Because I did. When you, especially because you're a comic, and that usually means some sort of like degenerate status. That like you're sober because you overdid it. Because I think most people, yeah, most people drink, and if they don't drink, that means they drank too much. Well, I think with me, they assume because I talk like relatively slow and and almost laborious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm very dry and almost give the appearance of being stoned uh they just assume that i i do or have done massive drugs right you uh, look like an aa guy you look like an aa guy who's gotten his life together and i yeah. don't I, I like with just like your your outfit and your demeanor of just like i've seen a bunch of shit you're gonna be okay you're like the really stoic guy who's been like long standing at like this certain meeting at this church like i know a lot of those guys and like you have that vibe that's it's so interesting that you never drank well it's funny because i've seen more drugs than people who've done drugs right like, <laughs> right, right right i've been to gang bangs where it's like i had to leave the room because it's like uh, i don't know if this is legal i mean the, the girls were legal but like this is bordering on like me too and like you know i mean everything was consensual but like i don't need to see my yeah. friend who's an agent at this agency doing this wow uh, what did you think was going to happen at a gangbang earl well I, you know i remember once in, in uh it was uh it was a uh, let's just say a relative of the murdoch family's house uh, oh, jesus uh this guy's house was so big we were in his pool house and i thought it was the main house i mean it was oh my that God. nice jesus the pool house was the nicest house i've ever been in right <laughs> uh, and uh you know his girls started coming over and then these horny executives are over there and then his horny friends are mixing with the horny executives and then let's just say powdered substances were in the room and, right. and you know, strippers and just whores were in the room. And I was like, I, I gotta go, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, in between the last time I was on the podcast, I did, I did Coke for the first time and I always made fun of Coke. Like I didn't really think it was still around. I just thought it was like the thing that happened in the eighties, you know? And, uh, and so I pictured just like old gross dudes doing it. And I was like, Ugh, I never want to do that. But then I was just uh, dude, peer pressure with me. I, I was just with like this, like 24 year old, like rock star buddy of mine. And he was like, literally it was a commercial. He was like, I was like, no thanks. And he was like, bro, like he was a step away from being like, I thought you were cool. Right. And I did it and I had this, Oh, I did it. And then I fucking like, there's this cute girl outside and I haven't smoked a cigarette in like, decades uh and i was like i want to talk to this girl so i like smoked a cigarette like and i had that like it was this turning point moment where i'm like oh you're trying to be like 18 or like if i kept going in that direction i would now be addicted to cocaine and i think that's actually why i stopped drinking and was like let's just go in the other fucking direction and be the nerd who pro wrestles and does jujitsu and like doesn't drink because <laughs> i mean you do it once and like i get it where I'm just like, oh, I can see how this would become an addiction. But that was with my my good friend, I think. And even that skeezed me out, like doing it off a fucking key and shit, where I think if I was in a room with a bunch of those like cliche agents, like trying to fuck young girls and they were all doing coke, that that just sounds so gross to me that I was like, let's get ahead of this and just probably get sober. But I mean, I'm very... Uh 
I have amazing willpower. Uh, so like people could be, you could be doing Coke right in front of me right now. I'd be like, all right, that's your thing. Is uh, that because you've always had it or is that because, um, you, you just haven't, because you never did drugs when you were like an impressionable idiot that now that you're older and you like your life, you don't like, there would be literally no reason for you to do it right now. Well, I think it's both. Uh, you know, I just, I mean, I'd be a pretty big loser at 50 to start doing to drugs. start. Well, that's how I felt. I was just like, I'm literally trying to show off to a 24 year old right now. But I've known people who literally in their late forties, never had a drink or pot or, and they start with a little pot and then, you know, they're like, they get in the zone. Uh, Jesus. but you know, I mean, I have an addictive personality. Like I do too, drink yeah. energy drinks probably too much. Yeah. So I think that scares me of like, wow, what if I did pot or you coke? can feel that sort of like urge to have one more than you should. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I work out probably too much. Me too. Well, the, uh, so my addictive person, the only reason I'm not dead of a drug overdose is cause I'm kind of a bitch. Like I don't like getting too out of control. So like the first time I did mushrooms, I like tried to like throw up to like make it stop. Uh, the second I get the spins with drinking, I want to fucking kill myself. Like I just hate that so much, but I, 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 I feel the urge to like have one more drink or to have one more whatever, but that's also how I got good at stuff. So like when I started stand up. I was like, oh, I should start stand-up. And instead of once a month doing an open mic in New Jersey, I dropped out of high school and started taking the train into New York every day. And same with jujitsu. I started that at 28, uh, which is late. Like I did it a bit when I was um when I was younger, but that's late. So I'm like, all right, I'll do it like two times a week for self-defense. And then I'm doing it every day. And then I'm doing it twice a day. And then I'm flying out here and lining up my LA gigs to coincide with like the world championship so I can compete. Um, so you can harness that addictive personality for good, but you have to be really fucking careful uh, with shit like that. That's why I was like, oh, if I do Coke one more time, I am now addicted to cocaine. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you can definitely uh, almost use a, I mean, an addictive personality for good. I mean, like, uh, you know, like last night I took a boxing class. That probably was enough. Yeah. And then I did the elliptical for an hour on the highest level. Didn't <laughs> I, I didn't need to do that. Yeah. But the boxing class was fine. Yep. Uh, but uh, so there's that. But then that's why at I'm, the age of 50, I look, uh, I have the body of someone in their mid 20s. Well, see, so like that, if, if the net result, if you're not hurting yourself, if you were going to the point where you couldn't work out because you were going to fucking injure yourself, like I get it, man. But if you're doing stuff that you love, like I found out, uh, I found out my, my flight to Australia tomorrow is a little later than I thought it was. So like I am a hundred percent driving 45 minutes to go professional wrestle with a bunch of 20 year olds again. Uh, and then I'm going to go right to my flight. I should be packing. I should be being a grown up. I should be working on my set. Uh, one of the shows I think we're turning into a CD recording and, uh, uh, I'm going to be wrestling without my shirt with a bunch of, uh, men in a warehouse. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I want to be doing. I'm going to do that every day when I get back. Uh, so, yeah, I know that feeling, man. But, I mean, everyone has a fantasy about pro wrestling. Yeah. I would love to do it, but I'm just, you know, I'm just not big enough. Like, I'm it, doing it. But, There's I mean, so I think my character would be like of a Rick Rude type. And yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, I don't, 
And once again, at the age of 50, it'd probably be stupid to try and get into the world of pro wrestling. So here's what happened. Well, I can tell you, and this is a perfect example of uh, addictive personality. I go on your show, however many months ago, first time in a decade, I've talked with a friend about pro wrestling, right? Because I hung out with a bunch of humorless, joyless liberals and stopped watching pro wrestling when I lived in New York. And it's funny. There were times like my wife would go to sleep and I would just like, even though I didn't know storylines or characters, I would just go on the WWE's website and uh, just like look at whatever matches were coming up. Uh, It was so bizarre. It was so sad. (laughs) And, um, and I had chances to like, like Matt Seidel's a really good friend of mine. And like, uh, I went down to Florida and hung out with him and I showed him some jujitsu, but like, we didn't wrestle. I didn't ask him to wrestle or anything. I didn't even ask him really wrestling questions. Now this poor guy, I fucking text him every day. And I'm like, I got body slammed today. And he's probably like, cool, man. Uh, and, uh, and so, so it, so it wasn't, it was out of my life for a really long time. And then me and you talk about it and something like, like stirred in me. Right. And then a couple weeks later I was watching, I think Bellator, I was watching MMA and they were like up next, uh, some Japanese wrestling organization that Josh Barnett. Oh, uh, all I think it's either New Japan or All Japan. New Japan, New okay. Japan, I think. And uh, and w- was it fucking Jim Ross? Yeah, it dude, is. I legitimately thought Jim Ross was dead. I just mix up because I wasn't following wrestling and I was like, JR's alive. Like maybe it's because he wasn't in the WWE anymore. And so I was like, I have to watch that. So I watched that and I was like. Oh, that's right. I like wrestling. And then I was like, I'm going to watch Raw on Monday. I think I even texted you. I was like, what time's Raw come on? Like, I was texting you like I was doing something illegal. Like, hey, the, instead of going to TV Guide, I wanted some kind of like connection, right? I'm like, when's Raw come on? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch Raw. Then I found this fucking website uh, where you can watch all, you can watch everything. And I found NXT and my, my buddy Matt's on Impact. And I watched the, their last pay per view from New York, which was fucking great. Um, and then I text you. And uh, my friend, Jerry Rocha, the comic who also likes wrestling. The gentleman, Jerry Rocha. Yeah. And I was like, yo, we should do some kind of like comedy wrestling thing. By the way, you should know when I said comedy wrestling, at no point was I actually thinking about comedy. That was just my cover to get you guys hooked in. I was like, I wanted to find a place where we could do a fake stand-up show and beat the shit out of each other. And so you guys were rightfully skeptical. And I was like, or you were definitely, I think Jerry was like, maybe I could like announce for it. And I was like, whatever pussy. And then, um, once I knew that that wasn't going to happen literally that week, I texted Matt. Um, I texted, I think I DM'd uh, this guy, Kyle from NXT. Uh, and I wrote to uh, the owner of the monster factory, the wrestling school in Jersey, who's been a fan of mine for a while. And I was like, Hey, uh, I'm 36 and I'm five, seven and I want to wrestle. Is that dumb? Should I do it? And then they set me up immediately with a wrestling school and they were like yup get fucking in there right away um kyle's tag team partner didn't really get famous till 42 i heard diamond dallas page on fucking rogan like he started when he was like something insane uh well he started as a manager where he didn't really have to wrestle so that was sort of my idea and that's where i was going with you is that's what you should do i'd be down with that so my idea was like i have a great fucking heel character idea 
And so I was like, maybe I could manage. But again, dude, addictive personality. I was like, well, I'll manage, but I should at least know how to take a bump. And maybe I'll do like the Shane McMahon thing where I'll just be like this hated heel manager. And then once a year, just like fucking get like thrown off of whatever and like take some table shots. He's crazy. The bump, you, you know, I'll give that Kurt that. Angle match, man, was one of the fucking most insane but here's my problem with shane mcmahon and you know like he's great and you know you think he's almost a billionaire or whatever he's got a lot of money uh, he doesn't need to be doing those bumps but it kind of devalues the illusion of like you know aj styles is his, he actually is a great wrestler and right when you have shane mcmahon keeping up with him kind of ruins AJ Styles. Image. Oh, that's interesting. And Kurt Angle, you know, now and even before he got hurt, is like a legit Olympic wrestler. Wrestler, wrestler, yeah. And so when you have Shane McMahon kind of holding his own with these, it's kind of like, well, well, the Angle one, I didn't see the AJ Styles one because that was like when I wasn't watching. It was like two years ago at WrestleMania. Okay. So were they like trading like technical stuff yeah. as well okay so the kurt angle one from what i remember was mainly just shane taking insane bumps but it's not like they were doing the old like super crazy tajiri like one for one both do kip-ups and like the crowd cheers like that would be fucking stupid it i i think it was mainly kurt beating the ever-living shit out of shane so and shane was that. getting pops for just the bumps he took but then you kind of ruin like in the aj styles uh situation that's weird i want to watch that two weeks after wrestlemania you've got aj styles against say samoa joe and you know you still want to believe wrestling's real oh yeah there's that illusion of well, these guys are really hitting each other. Yeah. This guy's from Uganda. Uh, but, you know, now everyone in the arena is going to be like, well, Shane McMahon almost beat him. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that uh, I took chops today for the first time, and they fucking hurt if you want to believe it's real. Oh, uh, it's still, you know, the I should say uh, the outcomes are predetermined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, 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 uh, the Ric Flair chops. Oh, my God, dude. My 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 chest was just like welted today. I uh, it was funny when I showed up um, to uh, when I showed up to the school. They had me sign a waiver, and immediately we were like, "Oh, you're signing here because uh, even though everyone knows uh, wrestling's fake, it's also totally real and hurts." Like I do, you remember watching as a kid? When I watched as a kid, I dreamt of being in a ring, thinking that the ring was like felt like pillows yeah. and the ropes were like candy and uh it is not like uh i knew that it was hard canvas but what i didn't know until a couple weeks ago uh the ropes fucking hurt the my whole back yeah, was like rash. jesus lashed yeah uh it's like elevator cable and like it doesn't have a lot of give you have to if you watch the guys you have to pull yourself kind of into the rope uh and they're taking these massive steps to get like uh a, a, a good jump on it but even that i was like fuck man i thought the ropes would at least be like easy but everything about it hurts uh um, oh yeah i mean uh i was at a hockey tournament in vegas and it just so happened there was a wrestling school right next to the rank like, oh. in the same facility so while we're playing hockey they're 
doing a wrestling school and it was like you know i felt the uh, mat and it's basically like this table yep it's- uh where i have a concrete table you guys have seen the podcast it's this table right here um but with a, a little bit of padding on it. And I'm not even really padding. It's like the, I think there were like springs underneath it. So if you land right, uh, it sounds much worse than it is. But if you land wrong, so like if someone's like hip tossing you, right? And you, instead of doing like a big flip and landing on like the small of your, or the, uh, uh, the back of your back and your feet land really hard. If you like, push out halfway through that and you land on your head it's like your head is smacking that table oh you can break your neck yeah yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. you have to like uh try and hit with the small of your back so then your the rest of your back that kind of curves i mean the reason i'm so cool with taking bumps and shit is in my head and i think this is one of the reasons uh, i want to talk to him about it i was like dming him on twitter i think i'm gonna have him on the podcast but matt riddle who's like a star now he's like uh, the darling of independent wrestling and just got signed to the wwe and i was watching a bunch of his matches he's so good but he was in the ufc and they fucking i think fired him for weed or something and uh and to to me it's so nice to like, even though it hurts, I know that the guys I'm doing it with don't actually want to hurt me. Whereas I'm used to going up against a guy like my jujitsu style is really like, uh, some would say douchebaggy. It's playful. It's like cartwheeling over people and like, it's showy. And, you know, so I'm really loose and relaxed. And when you see a guy just like mean mugging you, you're like, Oh, that's right. This guy wants to like actually break my arm uh it puts like a psychological pressure on you whereas with wrestling again the very little i've done it feels so uh communal and it's like we're all just like kind of being fucking ridiculous and want to put each other over and make each other feel good or look good uh and so just having that pressure of like oh i'm not actually like fighting for my life uh i don't know man i think even though this will hurt more, I think mentally this will be a lot nicer. Because, uh, yeah, I don't have a dude trying to fucking beat the shit out of me. Well, I think wrestling's a lot like roast battle, like from the standpoint of you want yes. the other person to be doing well right. to a degree. I right. mean, roast battle, I guess, is a little more real from the standpoint of the results. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you want to uh make the other person look good because then you look good yeah i remember uh, there's this guy from snl oh he was so funny he was like a bit player oh uh 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 john not love it yeah john love it no not john love it um i think his name was just love it oh no he was on 30 rock uh the bald guy on 30 rock i think he was a writer on snl for a little while too and uh what the fuck's his name let me see and he there's a story about when when SNL came to I think it was Second City in Chicago to do auditions. Oh, John Lutz. Okay. And uh you'll recognize him. This dude from 30 Rock. I never watched the show. Okay, so. cool, cool, cool. Um and so he's a great improviser. Uh I've seen him at like the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York. And, you know, so when you have an improv show, there's like maybe 
five to however many people on the back line. Two people walk in. You can tag people out. Um, and a lot of times at these auditions, everyone's just trying to do like their biggest characters. If they know SNL's in the audience, they're, you know, if you start a scene with someone, I'll immediately like tag you out so I can get in front of them. And apparently, as the legend goes, all Lutz did. He didn't do any big characters. Is he straight manned? He did edits. So like he ended scenes. You can run in front of them to, uh, he did some like strategic tag outs, but didn't have any big moments. And he was the only one who got hired, uh, because he was making everyone else look good. Um, and I think that's what Amy Poehler says about improv too, where it's not about trying to be funny. It's about making everyone else look good. Um, and that's kind of with wrestling, right? When you see someone who can like sell big and shit like that, people probably really want to work with you. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I'm trying to think like Hulk Hogan's infamous for not making people look good. Cause he yeah. doesn't sell like, uh, but like Ric Flair, Ric Flair made Sting. I mean, literally made Sting's career in the hour uh, match they had when Sting was very green. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sting was the bodybuilder from Venice with the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, you you couldn't get any greener in wrestling than Sting. And wow, I never knew that. Yeah, I mean, they started off at Gold's Gym, and this guy just walked in and said, I, I need big guys who look good. And Sting doesn't even look well, back then, though, I mean, we're talking the Sting when he was 20. Oh, okay, okay, uh, okay, okay. I mean, for 57, he looks pretty good. Sure. Uh, but back then, he was probably 260. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know if he roided, but he probably did. And yeah. Warrior was literally 300 pounds, not an inch of fat on him. Yeah. So he made Sting look smaller than he actually was. So I don't forget to circle back to this. Uh, the point of me talking about uh, all the shit I did with wrestling was, one... All of this happened within two weeks uh, of me talking to you. But two, uh, of course you could fucking do it. And even if nothing happens with this, and it will, I'm, by the way, I'm like already talking to people about shows and, but I'm trying to be patient and like, I want to get good. Um, it, it was one of those moments in my life where I was like, oh, that's right. And you know this from being a comic, but you're like, I don't know. Even when we, or doing something as off the grid as comedy or off the beaten path as comedy, you can still trick yourself into being like, well, I got to do this for this showcase or this for that guy, or I have to be a road guy or I'm just an LA guy or whatever. And when I first went into this fucking wrestling school, which is something I have wanted to do since I was 10 years old, I was like, oh, that's right. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like, if I want to wrestle, I'm going to go fucking wrestle. And, like, doesn't matter what my agent thinks. Doesn't matter what, you know, uh, what my friends think. Doesn't matter whatever. Like, this is something I've always wanted to do. And if nothing happens with it, then worse comes to worse. Like, I got to do this dope thing I've always wanted to do. And I don't know. It was this really, especially after, you know, being so depressed for so long and shit like that. It, it was this really, like, sort of, like, empowering moment. Where I'm like, yeah, I can go to a fucking warehouse and take my shirt off and have a strange Mexican guy chop the shit out of my chest because I'm a goddamn grown up. And that's what I can, that's, how, that's what I want to do, you know? All right, we're going to end the Instagram live feed here. We're going to go to Facebook. So long, Instagram. Where can people find you? Oh, yeah, Jesus. Uh, so my Instagram right now is uh, Jamie Kilstein Podcast. You can see my very red chest from those chops this morning on my story. Um, and then Sydney, Australia. That's the big one, as Earl is huge in Australia. Uh, I am recording. 
my comeback album at the Comedy Store, which is an amazing fucking venue. It's one of the best clubs in the world uh, in Sydney, uh, November 9th. Tickets are on sale. And then I'll be all around Australia before then. Um, but the big one is November 9th, Comedy Store. I desperately want to get the word out, sell out, and then just do like a filthy fun album taping. Yeah, Jamie's one of the good ones in this business. We're going to talk about the special but you got to go to iTunes to hear about the special. This will uh, be out in about an hour. But uh, support Jamie. Uh, people can uh, buy the special when it's uh, yeah, couple yeah, yeah. It'll couple be, months. And yep, shit. it'll be out everywhere. And then uh, uh, Jamie Kilstein podcast is uh, uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, all that stuff. Stitcher, and we have good people on. I'm gonna start to have. I I, I think si I'm gonna get Sidell on in a couple weeks, and we're talking to a bunch of other pro wrestlers about coming on. Uh, so yeah, so check that out now. Announce where you can buy it. Twitter is at Jamie Kilstein. So, um, well, I just love pro wrestling uh, w when you can tell the people have chemistry. Uh, you know, like Flair and Sting's the best example because yeah. you could tell that Flair was clearly carrying this young kid and making him look like a great wrestler. I want to uh, watch that match. It's really like it's an hour match. I think it was like 88-ish. I want to say it was either the Great American Bash. Sounds right. Or Bash at the Beach. You know, WCW had so many wacky uh, pay-per-views. Uh, yeah, I want to check that out. That that would be really interesting. It's, you could to learn see. a lot. That, well, that's I mean, why. You, but it, no, like, no, 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 me. Uh, like, but I, I want to see like a green guy who ended up being a superstar being kid. Like, that'll be really cool to watch. I just rewatched speaking of chemistry, uh, the ECW one night stand with uh, uh, when Jericho and Lance Storm opened the show. And same deal with that chemistry. Uh, it was so fucking dope to watch. Well, they were both great, great technical wrestlers and friends because they, they had the Canadian. Uh, yeah, I think they like had wrestled. They said like well, they trained at Stu Hart's dojo, yeah, which man. was essentially real wrestling. I mean, Stu Hart would That's be what like, it seemed like, yeah. Oh, uh, you want to be a pro wrestler? and You think it's fake? Let's go into my barn, which <laughs> which literally was like the Kumite. Oh, my God. You know, there was like bars on the ceiling. So when he would lift you up to powerbomb you, your head would hit the bar. Oh, uh, Jesus. So if you look at the guys who grew up uh, wrestling in the Calgary area. Yeah. You know, it's Chris Benoit. Yeah. Well, we know how that ended. Yeah. But not, not well. Well, we know his finishing move worked. Yeah, uh, it did work. Where was the kid's tag team partner? Uh, uh, no, no, that's too soon. Uh, but like Bret Hart, uh, yeah. all the hearts. Well, now Lance Storm, I think, has his own school up there, and he's kind of like the new, like, the like the, the, the sort of premier place to train, it sounds like. Well, he was so good. His shtick, I liked his last shtick he was doing in WCW, and of course they were really starting to go downhill, but he was always known as this amazing technical Tec wrestler. Yeah but no mic skills right, right, right i right. mean zero yeah uh, and so his shtick in the end the wcw was to be boring it's perfect and he would grab the mic and he would be like i'd like to take a moment <laughs> and just the crowd would start booing just, him. Like, uh, his boredom that's worked. so smart just meander on well that was probably eric bischoff it's fucking brilliant a brilliant brain of the yeah. business uh, going, dude, you, you know, you're probably never going to be really good on the mic because you either are good on the mic or you're not. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ric Flair, 
the best ever. Yeah. Uh, Rick Rude. You just you can't teach someone how to talk like Rick Rude. Right. Um DDP was great on the mic. Yeah. Jericho is great on the mic. The Rock. Uh and then you have guys like uh what's the guy? Roman Reigns is horrible on the mic. Oh, uh yeah. yeah. He's just horrible. I'm catching it up now watching everybody. I mean, he's got he's the, the guy look. The, he's the guy in the shield, right? Yeah, he's long hair yeah, and, yeah. and the body. He's incredibly good looking for a pro wrestler. Dude, wrestlers and their long hair. I've been like really hyper focused on this recently where they are the only ones that pull it off so well, so well. Like they look so good. I could never pull off long hair like that. But then you look at a guy like the ultimate warrior who was so fucking insane. She's a maniac. I mean, his promos made zero sense. No. But someone made it work and either it was vince mcmahon or the warrior himself was like make your insanity the point of your promos where nobody knows what you're talking just put about. makeup on and go and he made one of the greatest promos you sent me this it's it's crazy but he was on to 9-11 his wrestlemania match with hogan he cut this promo where he talks about tearing down the cockpit doors dispose of the pilot no you did not send me this jesus you did not send me it's this. the greatest it's so scary <laughs> dispose of the pilots <laughs> fly the planes into the buildings i mean it's 9 11 but this was like 12 years before oh my god so uh i mean promos can really cover up uh a lack of in-ring ability yeah you know because warrior wasn't the greatest uh wrestler he had two moves the gorilla press slam yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the choke uh the uh, clothesline yeah and there's a great story about andre the giant uh they were wrestling and andre was getting a little older and warrior was clearly the the new blood yeah and uh war let's just say warrior was wrestling a little stiff sure because he was like the new comic. Well, I'm going to show everyone how funny I am. Right, right, right. I'm and gonna Andre open told him in the corner, "Stop with the stiff work," and he didn't. And then Andre started wrestling for real. And oh <laughs> I think God. Warrior found out very quickly. Uh, you know, do what Andre wants. Wow. So that's is, incredible. Did you see the documentary on Andre? No, but I was just listening to this. Uh, I was just listening to I think a Shane McMahon interview, and I didn't know he used to get so much pussy. Oh, Andre was a womanizer of like a like a poon hound. He did everything to epic proportions. Dude, I didn't know that. I was just as shocked as when I found out that Bruce Buffer also allegedly gets a ton of pussy, the ring announcer for the UFC. Um, I was equally surprised by both of those. But yeah, Andre the Giant. No, but I didn't see the documentary. Uh, I heard oh. it's good, though. I mean, it's good, but WWE had their hands in it. So I think uh, it wasn't yeah. as good because it was clearly that i think they uh they have like a tight leash around guys right like even for like interviews and shit oh yeah that's why like i would love to have dolph ziggler on this podcast right friends yeah and you know uh i just you know they do yeah. they just not let the bigger guys like do especially like edgier shows or what yeah i mean i don't think uh if i wonder uh, why that is well i mean i think you know like in my case i might have burned bridges with the wwe because uh, they listened to uh piper's podcast and okay you know i was the co-host toward the end and uh you know piper loved it because he knew i you know i have no uh desire to work for the wwe so i went all in sure and i think he liked being um 
I, I, he liked having me be the bad guy. Yep, 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 yep. And then, uh, so I don't think I'll be getting calls for uh, announcing work. Yeah, and I'm like, I guess like they're so popular, like the WWE, that only bad could come of it. You know what I mean? Like all it takes is one wrestler trying to be funny and saying something dumb. Yeah, one like it's not like they need our dumb podcasts to, uh, uh, yeah, to do anything. I just, uh, I just found and became Twitter buddies with Ziggler's brother, who's like wants to. Ryan. Do, he does like comedy stuff too. Yeah, there's this little YouTube documentary on him. He seems fucking awesome. He was the first, uh, I guess you'd say, celebrity I had on this podcast. Yeah, he seems great. I want to try to get him on. He's great. I mean, he was a trainer at Equinox, and you know he. You know, I, I don't think I'm, uh, this is not CNN breaking news, but, I, you know, Dolph Ziggler, that's not really his real name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he told second. me, oh, my brother's in the WWE. I'm like, oh, yeah, who? He's like, oh, his name's Dolph. Oh, wait, so you met him before? I met he started- him at Equinox. Whoa, okay. I thought you were just giving his backstory. So before he even started doing, like, comedy shit or whatever, you just literally met him at the gym? I met him uh Dolph's brother at the gym. Right, right, a, right, right, right. Ryan, he's a train. He was a trainer at Equinox, and uh, I think I had a wrestling shirt on one day, and uh, so he's like, "Oh, my brother's in the WWE." I'm like, "Who?" Dolph. I'm like, uh, uh, "Dolph." Like, there's only one Dolph. Yeah. But his last name is Ziggler. He's like, "Well, his real last name is this." And, wow. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a shout out. I must give a shout out. I rarely give shout outs here, but Yvette McLean is my friend in Northern Ireland. She has a, uh, the most awesome son yeah. who is dealing with the most horrific disease Ugh. in the world. Uh, Being a comic. Oh, it's, it's the worst. Uh, it's, I don't want to, uh, yeah. it's just a bad disease. He's not uh, doing well. So uh, oh, fuck the McLean family in Northern Ireland are the fucking best. Well, please uh, hang in there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, it sucks when kids get sick and uh yeah man but uh so yeah Dolph uh, I'm doing a show with him uh, thanks to Sarah Tiana okay uh November 15th at the comedy store are you uh, I want to go to that uh, yeah it's uh I'll fucking go to that shit I, I I get back from Sydney on the 11th yeah and meet Dolph Dolph's like the nicest guy uh, oh dude yeah if I can go to that I was uh upset we didn't get to roast battle uh him and uh, Sarah Tion had a great roast battle uh, this season. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's so, so funny. Well, they're friends. And, That's uh, awesome. Oh, I'm going to fucking go to that. But let's uh, get let's get to your special. I wanted to talk about Connor and Khabib. Oh, right. But I know you've got about, what, 10 minutes before you got to go? Yeah, probably a little sooner. Okay, uh, so let's get to your special. We'll talk about Connor and Khabib uh, later. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated. Cause you, it's, it's very pro wrestling-like Yeah. what happened. It's so funny, man. I mean, the one thing that I'll say about about that i'm sure you all your listeners know what happened was the fake self-righteousness of all of the mma journalists and stuff the night it happened uh was the most hilarious to me because all of us were secretly like no no yes this is the greatest thing we've ever seen oh, it, was awesome. it was incredible no one got fucking hurt i mean so dangerous uh but it was fucking incredible uh all the memes that came out the fucking the next day of like clips of like people saying like, you know, Khabib's a chicken shit and then quick cut to him flying off the cage to attack my old friend, Dylan Dennis. Uh, it was, uh, it was so fun to watch. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I wish people were a little more honest being like, look, it's bad. Um, 
if it hurts MMA, that's also bad. I don't think it will. I think more people will buy it. I think buy. it helped. I think it helped. Um, I, I mean, think, and it was a great fight before that too. Like the fight was awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think you know the one thing where I. You know, people compare it a lot to pro wrestling. Oh, this was stage or whatever. That's uh, an insane thing to say. Well, I don't think they realize uh, Khabib is a, a, a Russian Muslim. Uh, dude, so I went down to AKA to uh, hang out with my friend John Fitch. You don't I, fuck with those guys. No, so I met all of them. Um, and <laughs> Khabib, like, I didn't really know. <laughs> he went, I, I didn't tell this on the show, right? Like, this happened after I... No, I don't think... Okay, so... And to be honest with you, if you did, no one's going to go back and fact check. Okay, great. Why? Well, I also think this is, like, one of the only shows where the audience might appreciate it. So, I went... Uh, I went... This is so funny to me. Uh, so, I'm standing with John Fitch, and Khabib walks in, and he's, like, obviously very imposing. And John goes, hey, Khabib, this, uh, this is my friend, uh, Jamie Kilstein. He's a comedian. And Khabib just goes... Com- comedian and john was like oh he's like uh he's like an entertainer he's like an entertainment and khabib's like i don't and he's like he like he has like a podcast and khabib's like i don't and then john just goes he does jujitsu and khabib's like ah welcome brother but just like the look of fucking disgust on khabib's face when john was trying to explain that like i do comedy uh to me was one of the best things that's ever happened to me and then at some point Khabib needed water and he had his gloves and he just looked at me and was just like water. And like, I don't know the guy. And he wasn't being a dick. And it was just one of those moments where he's so scary. You're just like, this guy could rape me in front of everyone right now. And there's nothing I could do. There's nothing anybody could do. I was watching him practice wrestling with Luke Rockhold. Who's like two weight classes above him, maybe three. And just, I mean, dude, he's no fucking joke. And then, uh, when I went to shower, uh, I went to shower afterwards and it's like prison style showers. So there's no stalls. Lovely. Yep. And I'm in there, uh, dick out and all it could be even off his guys walk in, but they're wearing like swim trunks right. because I think of, I guess like the modesty shit or whatever. Oh, right. And it's just me surrounded by Khabib's horrifyingly terrifying team. Uh, and I am naked and awkward and not imposing. And they're just surrounding me. So I get nervous. I'm like, should I leave? Am I even supposed to leave? Like, am I supposed to be in here? And so I go to walk out and I'm like really nervous. And I'm like looking down and then like a fucking superhero. Uh, as I'm walking out, I see Luke Rockhold just fucking big dick swinging, like doesn't give a fuck, uh, marching like right towards all of the very scary swim trunk, uh, adorned, uh, Muslims. And I felt like I felt much better. Uh, but yeah, they're very scary, I guess is what I was, uh, what I was going for. And I saw Luke Rockhold's dick. That was the double point of that story. He's like the way I want to look like, uh, his body as gay as this sounds like he's got like, to me, the perfect body of being big, but not like, like, you know, like bodybuilder. Yeah. Ivan Putski. Big. No, yeah, 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 yeah. No, Luke Rockhold. I definitely follow on Instagram uh, only to dream about looking like him one day. 
Uh, all right, this is a good time to not only wrap up, but talk about your special because yeah. we have the legend of Australia, the best friend of Tom Ballard, the great Milan C, who I'm sure you will meet. Okay. Uh, Milan, uh, this is at, for you, uh, my friend who you're looking at right now, the great Jamie Kilstein will be in your home country tomorrow. Yes. Or may maybe in two uh, Yeah, days. so yeah, I, I get there Thursday. Um, I'm playing a bunch of places in like the Northern Territory in Queensland for a few days and then it's all Sydney uh, but the big show uh, like the full hour solo show now CD taping this is like my first album taping since like all of my like drama since like I stopped really being like super political uh, I think it's the best material I've written because it's actually about like real <laughs> stuff right and uh, yeah that's November 9th at the comedy store in Sydney you can get tickets now. They're on sale. Um, but yeah, I really want to get the word out and just. And where do they get like, tickets? Like, do they call the comedy store directly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedy store's website, which I think is just. Uh, I'll get it up. Um, I think it's just probably comedystore.au. Uh, ba 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 ba. So it is on Lang in Moore Park. Uh, it is. Yep. Uh, I think it's just comedystore.com.au. Yeah, so if you're in Australia, and I know I'm, uh, for whatever reason, big in Australia, it's like David Hasselhoff is big in Germany. Germany, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, most of my 80s metal bands who have trouble in America are all huge in Japan. So uh, funny. So thank you. Uh, and uh, hello to the legend of Tom Ballard. Uh, yes. I would love for you guys to hook up at some point. I know Tom really well. I used to. Uh, He's the best. I used to go on his show uh, a bunch. He used to have a show on Triple J uh, that I used to do a bunch. And then uh, all my bullshit happened. I don't know if he still likes me, but he still well, follows me on Twitter. Well, Tom is uh, the great. We had the, He was my first battle in Montreal for Roast Battle, and he couldn't have been any cooler. He's awesome, man. And uh, Did you see that fucking... His show got canceled, which is a travesty, but they had this great... A political piece about uh, the left destroying itself by being like overly PC cunts essentially and it went viral it was really really good um, but yeah I really want to hook up with all those guys out there well, awesome. I mean Tom is just like he's like you know, he's just funny he's a nice guy he's, he was always he, so sweet he's very yeah. real yep um, and so if you're uh, fans of Jamie's or mine follow Tom Ballard he's uh, he's just the best uh, Jamie for uh, the iTunes freaks and uh, give us your Twitter and yeah. Instagram go right over uh, while you're subscribing on Earl's page go over to the, uh, the Jamie Kilstein podcast uh, the next two are really good um, I have uh, Tate Fletcher who you might know from Rogan's uh, uh, on the show the legend the Tate legend Fletcher. Tate Fletcher he just came over yesterday yesterday it was it was like i interviewed tate fletcher and then eddie izzard which were two very different interviews um but yeah that's jamie kilstein podcast um i just talk about being a fuck up and uh we try to make other people's lives better and then twitter is at jamie kilstein facebook is uh jamie kilstein fan page and then instagram is uh jamie kilstein podcast Jamie's one of the good ones, and you know I only like to have people I like. Here's a little uh, tasty of what the Inappropriate Earl Podcast Center is like when we're live. Um, you know, just please, if you're in Australia, Comedy Store, November 9th. Yes. Uh, and his podcast is great. Uh, I've been on it. We did a dual episode, which yep. was very fun and cool. Um, 
you know, and just we all help each other. You know, comedy okay. can be very cool. If my fans follow Jamie. Jamie's fans follow me. Rogan's fans followed yep. uh, Hinchcliffe. Hinchcliffe. Yep. It's it's like literally dominoes. Uh, and leave a review. Listen to Jamie's podcast. Leave a review for it. Yes, please. Because I, you know, we talk a lot about why does this podcast do well? Why yours does well? So much of it is reviews. Yeah, I, yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta get on that. I, 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 I don't ask my people to do that enough. I'm telling you. I mean, I've had several managers go, "Yeah, your numbers are great, but what really impresses us, including the great and legendary Jonathan Brandstein." Oh. Dude, that's the reason I fucking am making this an album, by the way, is he was my old manager that uh, Robin Williams got me. And uh, yeah, manages Norton just did your show. I saw he was on your show. So I texted him to be like, yeah, Earl's my buddy. And he's like, hey, when do you go to Sydney? And I was like, oh, I go to Sydney, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I think I have a guy that might want to make an album with you. And like, I didn't talk to that dude in fucking years. Um, but that was literally because of your podcast that that happened. So yeah. Well, uh, Jonathan's just like, he's a great dude. Great. And, uh, you, you know, he got me uh, Ben Bailey from Cash Cab, which I wouldn't have had access to. Right. So it's just six degrees of separation. Jamie's got to go teach jujitsu. Yeah. I got to go to Equinox and uh, meet just more wrestlers, brothers. Watch my shitty 80s metal videos for an hour and five minutes. And there's some Journey and Def Leppard videos, inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, just become a fan of everyone I have on this podcast. And then their fans are my fans. And it's just, we all help each other. And uh, of course, it's an honor to be in the top 10 in iTunes. Fuck yeah. Listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience. He don't need the extra listens. But you know what? It's karma. Yep.